Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the Hello and welcome into the Backyard Blazers. I am your host, Connor Scott, and as always, I'm joined by your two favorite Blazer aficionados, Agent Double Eleven, Tyler Bagginstoss, and KG, the big ticket, Kyle George. And joining us for this very special edition of the Backyard Blazers as our fourth host for the afternoon is the one and only Joey Fishback. Second member of the Fishback clan to make an appearance on the Backyard Blazers, and Joey always brings the effervescent attitude and unique point of view. And of course, this episode, we're going to have to tweak things a little bit. Recent news, as I'm sure everyone is aware, the sports world goes into a complete halt, including the NBA. Uh, Suspended for 30 days, we find out Wednesday after Rudy Gobert tests positive for coronavirus. Um, uh, Of course, a unique scene there in Oklahoma City as the Jazz and Thunder are stopped right before tip-off. Obviously, our thoughts are with anyone going through that illness right now, and I think we're all uh, taking it very seriously. But we wanted to come together and keep providing a little piece of content that's a little more positively driven. So as we focus on you know this NBA stoppage and whatnot in our recent highlights, what we really want to know is how does this pertain to the Portland Trailblazers? We're not going to see basketball for the next 30 days, but Rip City's in this unique kind of unique crib of people where this actually benefits our roster Uh i think with the injuries we've sustained and kind of our playoff prospects we might see a healthy yusuf nurkic with play resumes in 30 days we might see a healthy zach Zach collins i mean rodney hood's probably a wishful thinking get well soon rodney but zach and nurk coming back along with time to rest up for dame's groin uh cj who's been carrying a huge load ever since you know dame's had to be on the shelf i'm excited a little bit for the prospects we're going to see i wanted to get your guys point of view kind of on what you expect from this 30-day pause kind of what it means for portland and where we can go from here with no sports on the radar for the next calendar month yeah and it's a good question that i think nobody has the answer to we don't know what's going to happen when play resumes. Are we going to start right where we left off? Are we going to have the I – don't, I don't know how many games we had remaining. I think it was like 16 to 20 in there. Um, if we start um, the season with 16 to 20 games left with 30 days from now, hopefully the Blazers put go on a little run and make a push toward the eight seed in the playoffs. But – Really, in reality, we have no clue what's going to happen. Nobody knows. There's so many things that go into this. We're just hoping that everyone stays healthy. All of our community as well stay healthy out there, represent Rip City well. And uh, we're just going to find out. It's a sit-and-wait situation. Day-by-day situation for sure. Uh, Kyle and Joey, I want to go over to you two here. When the news came down about the 30-day suspension, after you kind of sorted through the craziness, that was, I mean, a good 48 hours. That felt like a full calendar year, in my opinion. Couldn't um, take my eyes off Twitter. No, it was. No. And, <laughs> and that's where all the facts are found, of yeah. course, on Twitter. <laughs> no, but uh, as you were kind of digesting that, getting used to the sports world, like we mentioned earlier, a complete stoppage. Um, what positives were you able to find for the Blazers in all this mess? Like, were you able to find, like we were mentioning, obviously players coming back from injury. Joey, you were mentioning before the podcast, maybe although the players won't be able to practice together, maybe a chance to bond and chemistry through such a dramatic time. I I don't know. Maybe you're kind of standing together. Everyone is, I think, as a community. We do that over here. We do that here. (laughs) Kyle, there's no sports for 30 days, so we're going to need to stretch, all right? And let me tell you, I've already pulled a couple hammies. So what what do you think? No, I think that those are all valid 
arguments, I guess you could call it at this point. Um, I think the like the injury part for Nurk and Collins, like that's obviously us being optimistic and trying to look at this in a positive light. The Even, fact that there may not be any basketball activities, I don't think really matters to the common Rip City fan because we're going to find anything we possibly can to argue why the Blazers still have a chance to make the playoffs. And that's what <laughs> that's, that's what point. that's what's great about our fan base. That's why I love each and every one of you guys because we all think the yep. same. Will it actually play out that way? Like to Tyler's point, we have no idea, but I'm going to act like it's going to for the next 30 days. Absolutely. Right. And, and Joey, give me your kind of strategy right now for what content you're consuming, how you're staying connected to the NBA during this pause. Are you going back and watching older tapes? Are you trying to look forward to this offseason, maybe kind of? you know digesting more of the salary cap kind of blazers obviously a luxury tax team what does that really mean what are you doing day by day to kind of stay connected with the sports world or nba despite the lack of breaking news good question connor first of all thanks for having me on today guys absolutely it's an honor thank you joey second time on the podcast yep Last time on the podcast was great, so yep, good, good. <laughs> we it was so great that those episodes aren't even available anymore. We took those <laughs> off as we were too many hot takes, <laughs> too many yeah. hot takes. But yeah, no, it's just a crazy time like for all of sports right now. So I think, I mean, it's really hard to know what's going to happen. I think Adam Silver is going to do his best, and I I think he'll handle it yep. pretty well. Shout he out generally Adam shout out Adam. Shout out Adam Silver, like. Yep. Compared to other commissioners, Adam Silver's got to be the best. Absolutely. Well, and and I think you see a little piece of that, uh, not to go too far on this tangent, but the NBA was definitely kind of the first organization to shut things down, especially sports-related. And now you've seen literally every other league outside of Dana White and the UFC uh, following suit <laughs> as they continue to fight in Brazil on uh, Saturday night. But... Uh, You've seen every other league kind of follow the NBA's lead, and I think that's a big credit to Adam Silver and kind of the reputation he's built for himself. Um, But I think that's enough. We're tired of hearing about kind of the – it's obviously to be taken very seriously, but this is hopefully a place we can have people come and forget it for an hour or so. And in that spirit, we've decided to treat this 30-day sports pause as a moment to look back and kind of – relive some of the best moments in Blazers history. And so as we were thinking, you know, what are some of those great moments, especially from our lifetime, we're being 24, 25, 23-year-olds, kind of in that range. Um, what are kind of the moments that make us the most nostalgic, something we could chew on during these this 30-day break um, that makes it feel like sports are still functioning up and running and providing the excitement they always do? Yep. And I think when we're talking about nostalgia, there's only one place to start if you're – in your mid-20s, if you're from Portland, even if you're a little younger, and that's back in 2014, Portland versus Houston, the night that Rip City was rebuilt. So our plan for this is to kind of walk through in a storytelling fashion that series, all it encompassed, leading to the heroic finish by Damian Lillard that we've all come to know and love, um, and give a little bit of a review, relive it, give a little history of where we were, where kind of Rip City was as a fan base, where the Portland Trailblazers roster was at at that moment in time. And hopefully um, you all can follow along. There's plenty of highlights on YouTube. We're going to post links after uh, within our bios here on Instagram and Apple Podcasts where you can see some of the clips we were using to research these uh, topics in these games. But, you know, most of us listening were alive during this and remember exactly where we were. So um, It's almost better re-watching. The butterflies I had watching through each one of these games like none other. It's like hitting a walk-off home run, which I've never done, but I can only imagine that it would feel <laughs> that good. So I suggest it to all the listeners out there. It, it's sure uh, it's a good road to go down. It is, and especially with nothing else on TV, throw up YouTube yep. and put on 
Portland Trailblazers uh, versus the Houston Rockets. You've got yep. the starters, Dame Lillard, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Robin Lopez facing <laughs> off against God. the Houston Rockets with their uh, faces being James team. Harden and Dwight Howard. Both teams 54 and 28 in the regular season, finishing fourth and fifth in the West. What a year for the Western Conference. Yep. 54 wins, and you finish fourth and fifth Insane. seed in the West. That's incredible. So without further ado, let's relive game one. Harden in trouble. Will he get it up in time? Step back. No. Portland gets the victory in game one on the road in Houston. All right, fellas. Close your eyes for me, and let's go back to 2014 here. Fourth and fifth seed squaring off 54 and 28 records. We mentioned that. Your hometown Blazers going to Houston. Fresh off the emergence of James Harden this year and Dwight Howard still at the peak of his powers. Yep. Seemed like quite a big task to ask the Blazers to go into Houston and steal game one. But, I mean, that's exactly what they do winning this one, 122 to 120. Can you explain to me your thoughts going into game one? I think we all kind of remember the vibe around Rip City. This was the first team I feel like uh, the city had bonded around. We had missed the playoffs a couple years in a row. And since Brandon Roy's departure, this is our first year, about three years away from that Dallas series where he led us back. Yep. Um, where we still lost that series, right? Right. Hadn't won a series in about 13, 14 years. It was our... This was the we hadn't won a playoff series in six, the last six times we've been in the playoffs. We lost in the first round, which was a, four, a grand total of fourteen straight years, fourteen seasons since the series. Long time. Win, right? <laughs> we and were so, asking a team to go into Houston, winning game one, felt like a tall task. Joey, what do you remember kind of about this time, this team? I just remember, I remember feeling like the Blazers were quickly becoming a one and done team. Uh -huh. Like everybody expected us to come into the first round and lose. Yep. It was becoming that, and we I remember we, we've, we've been yeah. battling that for a long time. Yeah, we even were battling last that, year. and I don't know. I remember going to school, and everybody kind of was concerned. Like we were playing James Harden in the Rockets, Dwight Howard, Patrick Beverly, like a yep. scary team to play in the playoffs. Yep. Our star, Lamarcus Aldridge, was obviously awesome, uh -huh. but our yep. second best player was Damian Lillard, and yep. it was his first time ever in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So I remember being like, "Holy shit, we got a tough one right now," and the confidence. People had confidence in the team, I think, but I do think people were a little concerned that this was yep. a tough task for us. Color me one of those people. Me too. And yeah. as fans, I think we can all agree. We're all kind of scared, like, oh, James Harden, Big Dwight Howard, they got a good squad. Pat Beverly, good defense. And this but, was James Harden's first big season, yeah. by the way, with Houston. Absolutely, also. absolutely. And um, the difference in mentality between fans and players is that the players, a.k.a. Damian Lillard and the rest of the Blazers, they think they can beat anyone. Us as fans, we don't got a shot against it. I mean, yeah. we have no shot. So we when we're looking at the these guys, we're, we're screwed. But Damian Lillard literally walks into each game saying, ain't none of y'all better than me. <laughs> and he and other players on that team, especially a guy like Wesley Matthews and the veterans we had, like the Mo Williams and the Darrell Wrights, made sure that they were meant to be there. They deserve to be there. And just because, yeah, a lot of people thought that the Rockets might have had more talent and all that, that they deserve to be there. They could win any game just, just as easily. And and I think one of the names that it's almost a shame we didn't mention first, but in this one is LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, As yes. we go on the road, LaMarcus comes down the stretch and tallies, I believe, 46 points or 40, 46, 46 and, 18. and 18. 46 and 18 from your all-star in game one on the road in Houston. Kyle, I know you remember that. Um, give me a little taste of what it meant to you to see LaMarcus finally step up. I, I think a lot of Portland fans will remember early in his career, he was critiqued around the league, maybe even in Portland as well, as being a softer player. Going on the road and 
putting up 46, 18, eight soft. Yeah. So what were your thoughts? Well, there's a couple key factors that I think are important to bring up leading to this performance. First off is we all know Dwight Howard. He's going to be a common theme as we go through this series and how beastly he was. But it's important to note in the second quarter of this game, he picked up his third foul and then got a technical immediately after picking up his fourth foul. Yeah. And so he ha- he was forced to stay on the bench for a majority of the second half, allowing like basically Harden and Omar Ashik regarding LaMarcus, which is just trouble for Houston because L.A. is going to like tear them up, mm-hmm. leading to his 46 points. So I think that's important to note. But it was really awesome to see I think even as Blazer fans LaMarcus step up like that I don't really care about the matchup at the end of the day it's like because he did have that reputation of especially being like a guy in the first quarter who puts up a ton of points and then kind of like teeters off towards the end of the game and doesn't really show up which I do have some hot takes about LA in this series with him not really he kind of had some unclutch plays in the fourth quarter in a lot of these games but this game in particular he had a huge game definitely allowed us to steal game one on the road big moment in blazer history and the what um shows la's skill and ability was the rockets kept throwing different guys at, at him on defense so game one they started terrence jones after that omara Sheik started the rest of the games the issue the rockets were having is terrence jones yes more athletic aldridge too smart pump fakes cutting through the middle, just making crafty moves. Terrence Jones could not play with him. Game one, Terrence, I think, picked up two quick ones in the first quarter, had to bring in Omera, Sheik. The the, uh, problem with him is he's too slow. He he could not guard L.A. So he was taking over the game. Um, Terrence couldn't stop him. Sheik couldn't stop him. And then after that, it was just L.A.'s game. Yeah, Terrence Jones, I think, was too small to guard him. Like, he couldn't do anything with that little fadeaway yep. mid-range. Mm-hmm. And if he tried to do it and contest it, pump fake he would pump fake and go right to the exactly. hole. So. Well, and, and so one thing we mentioned here, now that we've kind of covered LaMarcus, who definitely led the team, but was down the stretch in his first playoff game ever. Damian Lillard puts up 31 points, nine rebounds, and five assists, including some clutch, clutch threes. One specifically, I can remember, it was 104-101, I believe, uh, coming down the stretch of regulation as, of course, the Blazers steal this one in overtime. Um I, I believe Damian Lillard steps up and hits a huge three with about 30 seconds left to tie that game. Um, and just showing a sign of things to come, as we'll get to in this series and his career and his down career, the stretch. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Dame Lillard never shying away from a, 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 a big moment. And Kyle, what did that mean to you seeing our second-year player, our rookie of the year, step up in the playoffs, um, especially for Portland, a team who, as we covered, 14 years in the making for someone to do this kind of thing, LaMarcus and Dame taking yeah. that charge? Well, it obviously means a lot, especially when you had him as a rookie. He was the rookie of the year. We all had high hopes for him going into the season. It's his first time in the playoffs. You don't really know what you're going to see from him. And obviously seeing him put up that stat line was oh, was up. awesome. And I think what's important to note is I kind of alluded to it earlier with LaMarcus you know, being a little, slightly unclutched in the fourth quarter. He had a really crucial turnover with a minute left where Terrence Jones got a steal on him and uh, Houston was able to tie it in the, with like, I think it was like 45 seconds left. And then he also had a huge moving screen call that really put Portland in a tough spot. And it's really awesome to see that Dame was kind of the one that was able – like Connor said, he, it foreshadowed his career. He was able to close the game for us, which I think is huge. And anytime, if, if it's a rookie, second year player, someone that young, you know, showing that they're capable of doing those things is, is very exciting as a fan. And you talk about first game, first playoff game, Damian Lillard with the most minutes in this OT win over the Rockets, playing 45 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, easily the most minutes played on, um, on the Blazers. How much trust Terry Stoss had in him? 
Dame, you're our guy. Go and lead our troops. I mean, it's just incredible to see him. <laughs> like first playoff game, yeah. the man has just massive and it makes Nine you wonder. Rebounds. Yeah, it makes you wonder if like yep. these early opportunities he was getting. You know, I oh, know absolutely. he didn't. It, it, it's probably what obviously has molded him absolutely. into the player he is yeah. today. So, and and I think another person we should mention here is Wesley Matthews. I mean, down the stretch of this game, he has a way of making what may be the biggest shot that's not in the highlight package mm -hmm. of every game. So in this one, it comes to me, it's a reverse layup in overtime. That seems impossible, especially from where Wes, not always the most athletic guy, maybe not what he's most known for, <laughs> somehow gets to the other side of the rim and lays the ball up uh, 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 over the outstretched arm of Dwight Howard there. And just kind of his ability to capture the moments where you know, the ball's not in the star's hand. And to convert, I think, definitely showed its face in game one. And to that point, the Blazers' first possession on offense of this series was a motion offense where Dame ended up passing the ball down to the block where Wesley Matthews was a stud, ends up getting a bucket on on Harden, and just installing that, I'm gonna. I'm not afraid of you, I'm going to pound on, on you and uh, try and get him into foul trouble. And then that game also, James Harden shot 27% from the field. Another credit to Wesley's defense. And that's that's the last thing I wanted to say about uh, game one is that James Harden in this one, you know, puts up 27 points on 28 shots, including 10 free throws. So I think in this case, Wesley wins the first matchup. But on the other side of things, Dwight Howard, yes. we mentioned he was at the peak of his powers, 27 and 15 before fouling out, I think, in the fourth quarter, which really gave the Blazers a leg up in overtime, including... The famous shot, I think, from game one, which is a step back in the deep left corner from LaMarcus Aldridge, yes. a step back three. You'll remember in this game that LaMarcus Aldridge goes two for two from the three-point line. Um, and and from what I remember, the first time we've seen him be comfortable from the three-point line, especially in such a big moment like the playoffs, he converts both of those. Well, the the biggest one, it was a, he fumbled the ball, and OT picked it up, step back three, nailed it to bring us down by three. I mean, it was huge. It was huge. And, and despite LaMarcus seizing momentum for Portland. This game was in Houston, and as such, James Harden finds himself with a chance to tie the ball game, coming down 122 to 120, uh, dribbles down, maneuvers to the right elbow, and, and this is not something you would see probably from the James Harden of today, but the James Harden of 2014 picks the ball up, looks around to pass, and kind of chokes, and then Tyler or Joey, actually. I'm going to go to Joey here. He he almost has a moment where his brain, you can see him overthinking, and with the time running down, he has no chance to kind of fade away and throw up a, a shot from two. And as we mentioned, he did not shoot the ball well in this game. This one clanks off the front rim, and the Blazers hold on to win 122-120. Did that in like did that spark a fire in your belly in James Harden, or did that prove a point about James Harden at the time? What kind of image did that give you going forward for the Blazers against what is the best player in the Rockets, James Harden choking in game one? I mean, I'll be honest. When I was watching it, he did choke and he did hesitate when he had it down there. But to me, even as I was watching it, it was a shot that was scary for me. Like he was missing shots all game, but it was, he got the, the shot up and it looked pretty good. It hit the rim and bounced off. But it wasn't a position I wanted to be in again. Like, I don't want him taking that <laughs> yeah. shot next game to win the game. Yeah. 
and it's a credit to the Blazer defense. Lamarcus Aldridge fouled out at that point. Robin Lopez fouled out at, at that point. Batum comes up clutch with the defense. Just the the tenacity we yeah. had down there. Uh, the, you could see yeah. once the once Harden missed Aldridge, everyone pops off off the bench, just pumped, sprinting down like, to the defense. We got event. that W for him. Aldridge brought us to that point. We just had to close it out, and we did, and it just felt amazing. But yeah. I will say, it did to me at least feel like we stole game one. Like it, absolutely, I didn't feel like oh shit, the better team won the game. Like it was like we stole a game. I Let's felt like go. we Let's played as the better team that night. But I agree with you that like in terms of if we're looking ahead game two, I'm like we didn't send a message yeah, per se. It was more like wow, we grabbed one of the yeah, two. Like and guys then, miss shots to make shots. Yeah. Like this is gonna be a fucking yeah. Series. And I agree because it's like I think this was one of those series where it's like even when we went back to Portland for three and four, like us as Blazer fans, we were still going to be really nervous. It wasn't like yeah. we believed, you know, our home games were a lock by any means. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a really good way of saying it. It's like we did steal the game, but it's like classic Blazer fans, we were all still like, <laughs> like I'm still going to be just as <laughs> yeah. nervous for game two. <laughs> we're, we're still meeting at uh, 19.7 or Spirit of 77 for a pregame beer to calm the nerves. Uh, <laughs> before we dive into game two here, though, let's take a listen in. Into the win to the Pacific Northwest. It's going to feel downwind for these guys. They're celebrating in the Rose City tonight, and that will do it. It is over. Mission accomplished for the Portland Trailblazers, two in a row on the road. Absolutely a surprise. A split, no surprise whatsoever, but two straight, a different story. So game two, we mentioned before, Blazers have already stolen one. They're up 1-0, but I don't think as Blazer fans, we were all feeling sitting at home feeling like, Oh, we got game two. Let's set up for the sweep. Like, pull out the brooms, right? I mean, going into this, Kyle, Tyler, myself, we're all sitting on our college dorms. Like, I remember during this series, like, I would wake up in the morning like I was playing in the game. Like, I was legit anxiety riddled like all the time Joey I, know, Joey I know you're going to Twalton High School at that point showing up each day like legs kind of shaking no one's really <laughs> focused on Algebra 2 um, uh-huh. shout out Miss McCleary but no one's really focused in that day mm-hmm. uh, and, and so leading into this we're thinking we've seen a Herculean effort out of LaMarcus in game one um, what are we getting in game two it, it can't possibly top what we've already seen and Kyle, I think in the first half, our worst fears were kind of confirmed. Uh, Dwight Howard absolutely goes off. What did you oh, notice yeah. from game two? Well, we brought it up in game one that Dwight Howard was going to be a common theme that gets brought up in a bunch of these games, and it sure made a huge impact in game two. Dwight scoring Houston's first 13 points, just making Rolo his bitch, unfortunately. Uh-huh. just I love know, Rolo. Not but- only was he scoring, Connor, he was like shattering the backboard scoring. It he was looked like, like Shaq. spin moves. He looked just- like Shaq on like Chris Dudley. Yeah, Shout so he had a couple. Portland, Oregon resident Chris oh, Dudley. Yeah. Couple spin Governor move, big Dudley. dunks, and then I think like hit the the point that made him scoring the first thirteen points is it was an alley oop from Jeremy Lin yep. on a fast break, just rattling the backboard. So yep. not a great start for Portland. Dwight had twenty five in the first half, just really, really you know making up for his I guess four fouls in the first half of game one and uh-huh. showing how beastly he truly is. Yep. I mean, he was still at the peak of his powers and yep. tie. You could see it here. His bulk versus Rolo, despite being a little shorter. I mean, he was just backing down, using his ass and spinning off of him. For dunks, what what do you remember about that series? Well, I remember uh, in terms of Dwight Howard. I sorry. remember that specifically. There wasn't a matchup that we had that we could stop Dwight. The the bigger question I had is why did they quit going to him? Why did they not just feed him every time and then have him dish out the ball? Maybe he's not a good enough playmaker, which is probably the fact. Yeah. But you have fouls, a maybe fouls, whatever the yeah. case may be. But I do want to note that Dwight went for twenty five in the first half. The Blazers coming out of halftime that game. 
whatever they did adjustment wise, he only ended up with seven in the second half. Huge. So huge well, for the Blazers. Good team defense because you know just. Um, going Rolo straight up against White, you're not going to stop him there. So good job by the Blazers to um, get the team together and really be communicating and stopping Dwight on that. Yeah, and, and Joey, I think you know what I noticed that of the Blazers coming out of halftime in Game Two here, and this is not something you'd expect to hear in 2020. They forced the ball through James Harden, it almost felt like. They wanted James Harden out of the two choices, Dwight Howard or James Harden. We chose James Harden. You saw, um, I think, a little bit of that defense Tyler mentioned from Wes Matthews as well as Kyle. You were noticing Nick Batum definitely took a more lead role on James Harden in game two, or at least him and Wesley were constantly switching. And uh, It, al- it almost seems Joey, like... Joey, I'm coming back to you. Yeah, it almost seems like... Uh, that the that James Harden isolation game what like obviously it's not what it is today but he was still like trying like developing his moves and so I think Nick Batum's length was really giving him troubles because yep. he like he was still working on that step back he he hadn't mastered he can it shoot over West. He, he, he could shoot over West for sure and West would be up in his grill but yeah he could just shoot right over but Nick Batum I, I think his length. length was really giving Harden troubles in this game absolutely I would agree because I mean this is the series where. James Harden earned the nickname Floppy Beard. And Joey, that's where I want to come back to you here. Uh, James Harden at this point, less known for the step back and more known for the free throw stripe. I mean, as a fan, were you not frustrated as all hell during this series, especially game two here as James Harden was isolated with the ball? It seems like every time he went down the lane, he's just looking to draw a foul or grab someone's arm. And at that point, it seemed like the refs were giving him a lot of them. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is really... When James Harden started coming onto the scene, and really, this is when this style of basketball was like starting. Like, it was yeah. taking over, yeah. Yeah, like James Harden was really starting this new style of like getting to the free throw line, like kind of like messing right. with the refs. Mm-hmm. And he was really starting the whole like, if you aren't acting, you aren't winning. Like right. you have like. He brought a new element into the NBA, and that yep. is you need to be messing with these refs' heads. And it started now, and that's why James Harden made a lot of enemies in Rip City during this yes. series because we did not like that because mm-hmm. we weren't doing it. And we were like, I don't like that they're like sticking in these games because they're getting to the line. Uh-huh. It, so, it was, it was a, fu- a frustrating form of offense. I think we can all reminisce and enjoy the uh, throwback Brandon Roy hey, oh, yeah, every time yep. he went down the lane. But <laughs> it was something different with James Harden. We were seeing him literally wrangle guys' arms within yeah, his yeah. and go up for shots. It was the first yeah. I had really seen it. It was, it was really form. frustrating. It was, it, it, I hated it at the time, but looking back, you just nailed this, Joey. It shaped modern basketball. Ty, what you got your hand got your up hand over here. Up, you got man. a point What's going ready. On? Yeah. Joey, you were absolutely right. This was Thank the season you. that um, it kind of established itself. And mainly in that regular season but when it came to playoffs this is where everyone was like oh i don't know if james harden can win because he's not going to get those calls in the playoffs this game that we're talking about he only had four three free throws attempted um in this game i'm not other games he definitely had more yeah Um, he was trying to draw but this is why he people were critical of him because when he threw his head up or just hooked his arm driving down the lane and trying to get a bucket he wasn't getting those calls against west and um nick batum so Yes, you are correct, but I was so happy to see, especially at Houston, him not get as many calls. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Hey, and we got to bring up the bench. Someone hit the bench on this game. The the That's Darrell Wright and Mo Williams. I mean, come on now. That's exactly where I was going next, Tyler. We haven't talked a lot about the Blazers bench this season, and I think um, there's one a reason thing, for that. I, to Kyle, <laughs> I'm going to lead you then. Right, you nailed it. During this period of Blazers basketball, I think we can all remember the biggest Achilles heel was always. 
bench production. We are always finishing late third in the NBA in, uh, yep. in bench production. And this year was much of the same, despite having names that are loved throughout Rip City. Mo yep. Williams, Darrell Wright, Thomas Robinson, oh. even the the Brit, Joel Freeland. I think he's British. Shout out Joel Freeland. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so, Kyle, you said... That it a little bit ago they weren't super well known but to tyler's point they step up here especially darrell wright mo williams who was huge all series mo williams 13 points darrell wright 15 and 23 and 18 minutes respectively what do you remember about the blazers bench in this series versus the regular season well i just remember that our bench was almost non-existent to an extent because we only played if you look at this playoff series we really only played seven guys and that the two guys off the bench being Mo Williams and Darrell Wright. T Rob would get in every once in a while, Freeland would get in every once in a while, but they never really had huge impacts, I guess, especially in the playoffs. To, to answer your question, though, the difference between the playoffs and regular season is I think in the regular season, guys like Thomas Robinson come to mind where they would have really exciting plays. And I think that's why, you know, fans and Rip City really fall in love and establish attachments to these guys because they have such exciting plays like T Rob. I'll never forget the huge block he had that led yeah. to the Wilbur Alley. Yeah, never awesome. forget that play. It's one of my favorite plays in all, of all time. Yep. However, in the playoffs, it really showed how, like, how not deep, I guess, our team was with yep. only seven guys. But, and it's funny that we had to highlight on Darrell Wright and Mo Williams putting up 13 and 15, respectively in this game and it being like a really exciting thing. Like I feel like that's kind of fairly common nowadays. Absolutely. And and yeah, they weren't maybe the the best scorers or you couldn't rely on big buckets, but veteran presence. The game game 2, Darrell Wright went 15 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks. Big game. And, 18 minutes. And he's big game. 18 minutes he's he's working the court. He knows where to be. He's not congesting the middle. They know how to play ball. They know how to play help defense. So I think we got more out of them than really they could have given us. Right. But um, you got to shout out those guys. I oh, mean, yeah. they, exactly. they were Blazer legends. For well, sure. oh, Blazer absolutely. legends, especially for this series alone. And that's why you see some of those guys, similar style guys, get bought out right before the playoffs and signed, you know, yep. right yeah. for the playoff run. Real, real quick, Con, we need to bring up the uh, the did not play people on the Blazers bench. You got Will Barton, CJ McCollum, Myers Leonard, and Earl Watson. Yep. Well, <laughs> All future guys. of the Blazers. I mean, but, future of the Blazers right But there. to be fair, to be fair, those are much different versions than most of Rip City is familiar with yes. nowadays. So yes. imagine the rookie year. Imagine CJ McCollum wearing a walking boot. Mm -hmm. I mean, not not the CJ we're seeing shaking and baking now or Myers down in South Beach uh, living at large. Yep. So um, last thing I wanted to get to with this game, and then we'll move on to game three here. Rockets are trying to mount a comeback. Blazers take a commanding lead here in the fourth. They're kind of up in that 6-10 to 10 range throughout the fourth quarter. It winds down to the last three or four minutes, as you'd expect. It tightens up a little bit. A timeout, 104-100 Blazers with, I think, a minute left, maybe yeah, around less. That. 30 less seconds, that. 45, 30 seconds, somewhere in there. Um, definitely crunch time, as we know it now, Lillard time. But the Blazers... Inbound the ball off a timeout, full court inbound, so just under our own hoop. And Damian Lillard's able to press that ball forward to Wesley Matthews for a lay-in to seal it, put us up six, and kind of end the game there. Um, Joey, I just kind of wanted to go to you here. Wes Matthews, like I mentioned earlier, always seems to make that play that maybe it's not on the highlight package, but it'll win you the game. What were your impressions as you were rewatching seeing that kind of a bucket from Wesley? Is that something you felt like Rip City has had since or kind of describe how Wesley provided those sort of impacts as a fan to you? I mean, the Iron Jeez. Man himself. Yeah, it's not surprising at all. That's exactly. like why we love Wesley. I think that's a great Wesley. statement. I think that's a great statement. Yeah. It's not surprising. He not surprising. I think it's a big reason why the Bucks are so good right now. Yep. Because Wesley is like the 
unsung hero he's of every guy. team he's going to he be not, on. Is he not exactly what Tyler was just saying with Darrell Ryder and Mo Williams? He's transitioned beautifully yeah. into that role of being kind of the veteran presence, but still the tenacious person Kyle was mentioning earlier. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, yeah, he has. Uh, I mean, honestly, what I who I could best compare him to since then is Pat Connaughton. And obviously he's not nearly there, but Pat Connaughton was the guy that was like doing those things for us for a little while. We not, 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 see it. No, not, hey, every episode needs a hot take. Thank yeah, that's, you. That's, uh-huh. that's, not on that level. <laughs> that's going on the Instagram Not on that story. level, that's but it's just like, story. all right, this guy's getting no credit at all. And uh-huh. he's doing some stuff that like helps us win. Yep. I do get, yeah. I think, I think that's the point. You make it might be a bit of a stretch, but is mm-hmm. it accurate in the sense Pat was trying to be that guy? Yeah, he, he just threes. didn't possess the same influence that Wesley no, he ended didn't. up but, having. Yeah. I, got, I got a guy. I look at Rodney Hood last year in the playoffs. That was kind of a similar thing. Rodney hitting that big. I know it was a, you said not highlight reel. Rodney's three was highlight reel material. But another one of those guys that I feel like makes, you know, he hits the three when you're down nine. He hits a three to put you down six, where it's like at the time in the game, it, it's just a three-pointer, but it really does, you know, change the direction of the game it changes like the whole dynamic of how the rest of the game is going to play out so All right, that's Tyler, the guy i get, got you yeah get i'm the gonna last little piece here on yeah, wesley uh, one more little thing to hype him up is harden ended up fouling out of this game game two finished with 18 points shot 31 percent from the field and really didn't have a productive game i th- we went to wesley i'm only guessing with wesley's tenacity and the maybe some batum as well but getting him in foul trouble early not like affecting his the way he attacks the rim maybe drawing some charges and all that you can only think that Wes had something to do with that oh, so totally. especially with this low post game yeah. Wes would always sneak he's a shooter for sure throw yep. that bow and arrow but he knew how to play in that low post yep mm-hmm. all right it's time for game three let's take a listen in to a little highlight here maybe a less exciting one for rip city but it's important nonetheless here we go the six nine batum harassing hard lost the ball williams lost it lynn picks it up Lynn out to Daniels, Daniels for three, it's good! The rookie knocks down the three with 11 seconds remaining. What an unlikely hero here for Houston if they can hold on and win. Aldridge gets it, looking for Batum, the three-pointer, too strong, fight for the rebound, tipped and taken by Daniels, and Harden is fouled with 1.1 remaining. And that will do it. The Houston Rockets on the road, another road win. Here are these 2014 NBA playoffs. Get the huge victory in overtime. And now trail the best of seven series, two games to one. So game three brings a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth as the Blazers lose their first game of the series. Uh, 121-116. And one thing I wanted to talk about before we dive into the the specifics, excuse me, is coming out of this game, I think I was almost less disappointed than I should have been because I felt like stealing two games in Houston. I was still riding a little bit high off that despite this loss. Uh, was anyone else in the same boat or was I too optimistic? Nope, um, same boat. Same boat. Uh, I was kind of in a different that. boat because I think I, I just think back to where I was at that time. I was like, you know, we stole the two games on the road, and I guess my biggest fear was giving those two games right, right back. back up. And yep. so it was for me, it was like, as a Blazer fan, it's like, we have to win this game because that will pretty much establish us winning the series. And we dropped it, which I think going into game four made me just that much more nervous because I'm like, shit, it, we're about it, to give these two games right back. It almost didn't hurt as much initially because we had won those first two. But, but in my head, four. it was like, as long as we win game four, right. like, I'm Is stoked. It, yeah. But if we were going to give up, 
both, then it would be a different story. But right. yeah, I mean, we're all well, feeling not and good. And I guess, Joey, let's, I'll give both of us a chance to kind of join their side because I think they're right. I felt like what it did is after losing, it almost made game four feel like your back was against the wall despite being up 2-1. Would you? Can we align on that one? Like, yeah. I remember thinking after winning the first two, we just got to win one of the one of these home games. Yep. Right. Okay. And we lost the first one. This one, and that, that's when I was like, ooh. Yeah. And, and a big factor in why we lost this one, obviously James Harden comes to life here. 37 points, despite still only shooting 37%. I mean, he's not. he took 35 shots and scored 37 points. But it's a Kobe game. It is a Kobe yeah. game. And he is so crafty that it's hard to blame the Blazers for not like – I mean, obviously he's going to get his, but limiting him, even like – you got to give him credit holding him to 37. I mean, that's a good defensive game for him. On 35 shots. On I mean, 35 shots, shot bad from the three. Um, but I think Troy Daniels. We got to bring up Troy Daniels. Him, this is the first game he played in this series. Didn't play game one or two. He's an undrafted rookie, came in playing for the Rockets. And having him for James Harden was huge. Allowing James Harden to drive to the basket and kick it to a knockdown shooter in Troy Daniels where you had to. Um, acknowledge Troy was there. You couldn't uh, sag off and help on James's drives to the basket, which, I mean, clearly makes sense here because he shot nine free throws this game when he was only shooting four of the previous. Um, having Troy there as a three-point sniper definitely helped James' game, and we saw it in game three. Well, and I can remember, I didn't even know who Troy Daniels was. I don't think and anyone I, did. I, I like to think myself pretty familiar with all NBA teams, yeah. like pretty good with the rosters and all that. Troy Daniels, never heard of him. He comes into game three, his first action, as Tyler just mentioned, goes three from six for three, and including the biggest shot of what seemed like every game for the Rockets from games three through six. Like, yep. Troy Daniels was in the midst of every big moment, including game three, a back-breaking three, It was I almost, with, let James shoot, don't let Troy shoot. It was. Literally. Towards the end of games, I was more Sniping. scared of Troy Daniels in 2014 than mm -hmm. I was of James Harden. That's a funny phrase to hear in 2020. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was true. And I think he made a career for himself as Troy Daniels, still in the league or just fall out this year. But He just resigned. He just re okay, there he is. Yep. Resigned. Um, Denver. Definitely a scary prospect there but you know i don't think we should dwell too big on one of the two losses no, of the series. So no. let's, let's take a listen into what game four provided as a final here Beverly, oh, the way. He stole the ball. The Portland Trailblazers are right step closer to advancing to the second round for the first time in 14 years they go up three to one as they beat the Rockets by three in OT. All right, as Joey mentioned, so coming off game three, we're up 2-1, but we felt like we needed to get one of these at home, if yep. not both, and end the series. And, of course, game three showed us we're not ending the series in Portland, at <laughs> least not in four. So coming into game four, Tyler, give me your mindset. I mean, we're winning the series, but I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Me, personally, I almost felt like our back was against a wall. Yep. I, it was a weird feeling, but I felt like if we let this series get even, we were kind of screwed. And I, I think the Blazers would agree with you. I think this everyone felt as it was a must-win game. We did not have home court advantage this series, so we had to we had to get at least one at home to feel comfortable about where were we where we were at. And the Blazers came out and played great, great team basketball, moving the ball around. It wasn't relying on one guy alone, but really just trusting in each other, making the right passes, and you saw what happened. I mean, we were able to get a W. Uh, 
three overtime games within our first four games of this playoff series. Kind of incredible. Both these teams, when you look at them, fairly evenly matched. Just uh, who was able to play the better team basketball, which we'll get to at the end. Wink. But, um, <laughs> no, just a great game overall. Uh, hu- a huge win for the Blazers, getting snagging this game four at home. Absolutely. And really I, good point, Tyler. And Thank you. I think, Joey uh, – one of the guys that definitely stood out for the Houston Rockets, not just in this game, but throughout the series, reared his ugly head this game. Sorry, that was harsh. Shout out Chandler Parsons. That's who I'm talking about. Yeah. 26 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Obviously, if you're thinking of Chandler Parsons nowadays, you might be thinking of kind of a sad uh, reality of the knee injury and kind of how his career progressed. But at this point in time, Chandler Parsons, a second round pick out of Florida, had made a name for himself. And this was a series. This was his coming out party. What what do you remember about Chandler Parsons specifically? Kind of the blonde, spiked highlight, eat very hateable opponent. Yeah, very I mean, hateable. I opponent. mean, the whole Rockets were the epitome of a hateable team. That yep. is true. Dwight Howard, James Harden, Chandler Parsons, Pat Beverly. Oh, so what frustrating. Yeah, that like team should worst. not be able to coexist. The worst. But they also had the most lovable NBA player ever, Jeremy Lin. Like, <laughs> gotta love that guy. He was great for the Blazers in oh, this series. Oh, he was the MVP for the Blazers. <laughs> this game, he had four points, four points in 21 minutes. Yeah, yep. not great. But but I will say, back to Chandler Parsons, yeah. that dude was throwing daggers at <laughs> oh, us. Oh, yeah. Do you remember kind of what your opinions were towards seeing number 25 line up the three ball? Yeah, I remember learning to not like him. <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply. Well, yeah, I... This is where a lot of like Rip City enemies came from, and Chandler Parsons was one of them. Yep. I think that's a good point. Like before this, I don't know how much I really dislike James Harden, even Dwight Howard. Dwight yeah. Howard was a little more of a mm-hmm. tantalizing figure, but James Harden, James Harden and Chandler Parsons came out of this series as definitely two of my like most unenjoyable. What's yeah. the word I'm looking for? I mean, I don't want to say hate. With Chandler, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not like the best, but I. James and Patrick lead the charge for me as least favorite uh, or least likable players on that team. I mean, come on. I know. Yeah. It, it's tough. And and this game showed to be a point where everyone we hated made an impact as James Harden goes for 28, Dwight Howard 25, and Chandler Parsons 26. But yep. coming down the stretch, Kyle, it was a player for the Blazers that um, we've talked about off the bench, his veteran leadership, but maybe you know his stats didn't stick out as much. Mo Williams comes in. And, uh, you know, he makes a game-changing play, stepping across from Troy Daniels, who had just hit a game-tying three late in overtime. As Tyler had mentioned, um, Troy Daniels just unconscious during the series. Mo Williams sidestep, buries a three. What were your thoughts about having a leader like Mo out there creating plays in an overtime period where you might expect to see more Dame Lillard, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum involvement? Well, I think it was huge because if you look at our team, we didn't have – a ton of great veterans, I guess you could say. Uh, and he was definitely the most veteran guy we had. He had been there, done that with all those, you know, series with LeBron, with the exactly. Cavs. I was going to say, like, yeah. he had the, the playoff experience and he definitely was the the X factor for the Blazers in this game. Like you said, you allude to the three he hit. He had that clutch steal at the end of the game that, you know, the ball kind of went everywhere and it ended up back in his hands and he hit a shot. Like, it, he just had so many huge plays for us this game. Um, definitely was 
it, it was exciting to see him, one, win us the game, but two, also him talk shit to Troy Daniels after the game. Exactly, and that's a good point here. Tyler, we Just were, a veteran. It is. A huge veteran just getting in the rookie's head. You yeah. know? As we were re-watching this one, Tyler, you pointed that out, that right after this game, a big win, Troy Daniels, who had made his presence felt in Portland in both game three and four, yep. Mo Williams makes a point to hit the shot. Uh-huh. Blazers get a steal we'll talk about here shortly, mm-hmm. and then win the game. Mo Williams goes right up to Troy Daniels yep. and says, I don't know what, but you know, reports come out later that Mo after the series was just saying, I'm just getting it in his head. As you just yep. said, veteran move. What were your thoughts on Mo? I mean, he's just making sure he knows he's not he, he he's on his court. It's Mo's court. He's the veteran out there. He's still gotta prove himself. Um, I love the move. I mean, you gotta do what it takes. This is playoff basketball. It's competition. Honestly, it's just Honest competition. You just love it. You just Hon- got to love it. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, one of the moments that really made me love Mo Williams, I was like, this dude fucking gets it. Like, he knows how to rattle a guy, undrafted rookie who was feeling himself at the moment. And going forward, it seemed to have made somewhat of an impact. Joey, I'm coming back to you again as we talk about Wesley Matthews. I've said it throughout this series. It's it's every win so far, and I'm going to say it again. To end the game here, Patrick Beverly, we, Tyler just noted, one of his most hated players in the series and probably still to this day a guy that gets under our skin more than most. Um, shout out to Pat Bev, though. That's good effort. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can kind of respect it. Back then, not as easy to respect. Wes Matthews, yeah. Damian Lillard make a great double team, kind of a switch off of a screen um, as Pat Bev is coming down on the game-tying possession, steal the ball. Wesley Matthews, as always, Iron Man, comes up with the balls in his hand. Blazers win. What were your thoughts yet again, Wesley stepping up in the clutch? Well, it makes me think of the podcast that you guys had last week and how you were saying, like, the Blazers, maybe we're good enough, maybe we're not good enough to make the playoffs, like, as far as who we have on our team. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, something isn't there. Like, I don't know if it's effort or focus or grit. what. It's grit. But it's really, like, a guy like Wesley. And Gary Trent is trying to be that, but he's really – like, you can't give Gary Trent Wesley Matthews minutes right now. It's too early yep. in his career. But, like, Wesley Matthews is just that guy who's, like, his mind is constantly on where do I need to be to help us win the game. Uh-huh. It doesn't, yeah. Like, he's just going to do what he can to win the game. And I think that's what we're missing this year. And I think that's what was so huge for that team is just, like, Wesley's going to do what we got to yep. do. Having a guy that you can just say, go sick him. Go, yeah. go get him, boy. Yeah, and, 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 and he does. And you don't have to worry about him. You know yeah. you're going to get... 110% from him every single time. It's it's so nice having a guy like that where Dame and LA are like, oh, we got Wes. He's got him. We'll just do our job over here. Yeah, he's going to we'll, do what he's supposed to. Exactly. Like, we can just trust it. Yep. No, I love it. I love it. So the Blazers end up winning that one, 123-120 in overtime. And I got a shout out. Uh, the guy I went to that game with, Garrett Miller, because that was legitimately maybe the best sporting event I've been to oh, in person. God. Like the energy going into overtime. And then when Troy Daniels, I, I don't know if people are going to remember, check out YouTube highlights of game four. Troy Daniels hits a shot. It feels like the Blazers are losing that ball So game. many ups and downs. So many ups and downs in just that overtime, not to mention the fourth quarter. And I can remember Garrett and I, we paid, you know, too much money for 300 level seats, <laughs> yeah. and at that point, we are hugging each other, falling over the people in front of us. I love you, dude. And they're they're picking us up, and they don't even know. So like, we love you guys. <laughs> and it's just the best moment I've ever had in the Rose Garden. So shout out G Mills and uh, shout out the Portland Trailblazers for supplying us that moment. And unfortunately, before we get to one of the peaks in Blazers history, we got to go through a valley. Game five. Let's listen in. Jeremy Lin goes for 21 points, dishes out four assists. And that is game five. Harden was big in the clutch. 
The Rockets outscore the Blazers 26-21 in the fourth quarter, and they win by 10. So game five. I mean, we're back in Houston, a place we've had good memories in the series so far, but to be honest, they came out, and, and this game felt like we never had a real shot. It felt like the Blazers didn't show up to play despite some good numbers from Damian Lillard and Nikola Batum, but yep. LaMarcus, eight points, as well as our bench, just getting throttled by the Houston bench. Kyle, yep. you were noting earlier, Jeremy Lin goes for 21, makes his emergence in the series. He'd been quiet all series despite kind of, not the height of insanity, but still a respected point guard in the NBA. So he makes his emergence here, 21 points off the bench, and absolutely embarrasses Portland's bench unit. What were your impressions of Game 5? Well, I mean, you kind of already said it. It's like I, I just don't think, you know, Portland really had a chance this game um, when LaMarcus only puts up eight points, like you said, on three or 12 shooting. It's with this team, with the lack of bench production uh, support we had, yeah. I think like if LaMarcus has under 10 points, you're probably not winning the game. And our bench had five points combined. Mo Williams with four, Darrell Wright with one. So just a really unfortunate um, game all around. We just, you know, we didn't play well and Houston – took advantage of that so, yeah i mean yeah. jeremy lynn goes for 21 never a good sign when your bench goes for five combined and jeremy just destroys you that's never good when la goes for eight obviously another issue there um but all in all after playing three overtime games in the first four a lot of energy expended at, at home trying to get that game four w which was huge this one kind of seemed if we didn't get off to a hot start we weren't really getting this one so i'm i wasn't too upset with that um I would have liked to seen maybe a little more fight out of us, but it's asking a lot. Um, all in all, it was just the Rockets played better that game, really. That's really all it came down to. Rockets played better, and we just didn't have the intensity. Well, and I would say even as a fan in this game, I, I may be throwing myself in the fire here, but it almost felt like a toss-away game. Not like we weren't watching and cheering it on, but right out of the bat. Like Absolutely. Tiger said, you could feel the energy difference. Felt like it was a must-win for Houston. And sure, there were points where Which there it were was. pivotal plays. Jeremy Lin, I can remember a wing three-pointer, I think actually more towards the third quarter when the Blazers were fighting back in this one where he kind of spaces it out. Joey, uh, was game five one that you felt was tough to get over as you were watching? Is this kind of something, it almost felt expected. And I'm not saying that because we didn't believe in the Blazers, but mm -hmm. the way the NBA is such a game of runs, the series kind of are a series of runs in the same way. And as Tyler had tied back in in game three and four and won, three overtime games out yeah. of the first four, it felt like the Rockets were winning this game before it was even tipped yeah. off. Yeah, and especially because it was game five after overtime games, it was a game that you... Home court played a uh, played a factor. It in this did, one. and like you knew based on what had happened up until now, people are going to be tired, and it was going to be we were going to need a lot out of our bench. Both teams were, and you can tell that that was the case because it was a game where our bench played more minutes than any other games. That's a great point. But yep. they had the least production out of any other game. Yep. Right. So it's not a good. We hinged it on those three yeah. guys that came off the bench, and it didn't work for. I us. I mean, yeah, they have five points, but the bench played over forty minutes. Yep. Right. With five points. Out of all of them combined. Mm -hmm. And that's just not going to win you games. Mm -mm. Especially, like, these teams are so even. Mm -hmm. And the benches are probably one of our weak spots. Yep. Um, when it's that. I mean, I think we're all kind of agreeing in this sense that although the starters did put up a good fight, the bench just made this one feel yep. like it wasn't close. And, and we were going to rely on them. And, and, and we were, we had to. Yeah. And at that point, like you mentioned, a combined 40 minutes out of that group when you're getting that lack of production especially on the road, things aren't going to shape up, and they didn't mm -hmm. for the Blazers in this one as we drop it by 10. But, of course, 
That sets up one of our favorite moments in franchise history as the Blazers lead the series 3-2, to two, heading into Game 6. Mike Tirico on the call. Harden loses the hand. Got it back. Harden between the legs. Harden the jumper. Off the rim. No good. Lopez tried to keep it. Parsons scores! Oh, With nine-tenths left, somehow he found it, and the Rockets lead! Unbelievable! Miraculous. That's what that was. And that, that was an incredible play. You could not have played Harden defensively any better than this. All right, it's Aldridge, it's Matthews, it's Williams, it's Lillard. Aldridge, uh, Batum to trigger. Foul to give for Houston. Nine-tenths left. A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard, good! Good! And the Blazers win the series for the first time in 14 years! Of course, it's being reviewed because it goes in at triple zero. But it's out. It's over. And the Portland Trailblazers, in shocking fashion, when they didn't hit one outside shot in the fourth quarter, get the kid with the big guts to win the series. Damian Lillard sends Portland to the second round. One of the best moments in Rip City franchise history, no doubt about it. But before we get into this, again, the details of what happened towards the end there, the point nine, the Tariko call, the aftermath for all of us specifically, before we get into it, I want to talk about how we all felt going into Game 6, because myself felt like this yep. was a must-win. I thought Game 7 in Houston, especially yep. off after the Game 5 performance, I felt like it was over. Kyle, Game 6, coming back to Portland, were you as dire as me in the sense like you felt like this was must-win, or did you feel like Blazers had a chance regardless in the series? How, were you going, how was your mindset coming back home to Portland for Game 6? I think you're lying if you thought... That, oh, if it went to Game 7, we still had a chance. Like, that's just not how Blazer fans operate, in my we opinion. We haven't won a series in 14 <laughs> fucking years. That is exactly how Blazer fans operate. <laughs> yeah. Blazer, say we lose Game 6, we're definitely no, winning 7. No, Tyler, that, I disagree. Blazer fans are classic where it's like, oh, my God. Like, if we if we lose this game at home and we have to go back to Houston, like, we're done for. Like, that is totally we're how Blazer fans warriors. operate. We're yeah. We're warriors. That's no, how blazers. I felt. Connor and I clearly warriors, felt that way. Warriors, not warriors. War warriors. Warriors. Oh, I see. Warriors. Like a worry war. Worry wars. Okay, okay. Words, you know? Anyway, all I'm trying to say is that I feel like most Blazer fans operate with the mindset that if, especially back in this series, it's like if we if we lose this game at home, we have to go back to Houston for Game 7, like we are screwed. Okay. I know that's how I was feeling. I mean, if you disagree, that's fine. <laughs> well, but. And, and Joey, I know I felt like also along with what Kyle's saying, because we hadn't had playoff success basically in my cognizant lifetime, because yep. 2000s, I don't remember super well. I just rely on old highlight clips. Yep. It felt like destiny was against us as well. So did that contribute a little bit to your game six fears, even though we're at home? Oh, yeah, 100%. And this game really like defied the laws of momentum to me. I agree. That's like, a good point. Yeah, like we were like, we got to win this game. At least I was. Yeah. And I think the people I was with, too, were like, uh -huh. we got to win this game. We're going there, and we're playing them at their home court. Like, we're going and into we're it like, feeling good. Yeah. And we have we play a really good game. It's a really hard-fought game. We come down to the end, and we're winning. 
And then they hit this layup with 0.9 seconds left. Yep. Rebound, put it back wait, in. Wait, and I'm going to cut you off there because I don't want to dive into the dramatics too quickly, but Ty, I want to yeah. give Ty a chance to talk about okay, this first. Okay, okay. No, I, get, I see where you're going, and it's hard not to get yeah, carried away with yeah. one of the best games of Blazer history, but Ty, going into game six, I mean, we've kind of recapped it here. Your nerves are probably, what, at an all-time high? I mean, where, where are you at? Because, again, we had the series lead here 3-2. It's not like this was a quote-unquote must-win. It just felt that way, no? It absolutely did. It kind of reminds me of our 11-12 uh, All-Star game against Murray Hill where we had to win that game in overtime. Uh, shout out Tiger to All-Stars. But uh, no, I, I, if we didn't get this W, I thought it was game over. I thought yeah. it was game over, and I know, I'm pretty sure everyone felt the same way. I was just trying to bust Kyle's balls earlier. If we didn't win this game, I would not have been feeling good going into game seven. I still would have had the heart to where we still got this. Um, well, trying to convince myself, but I don't know if I would have been able to. But this definitely felt like a must-win game for us. And I think it's important as we're kind of all making the same claim, and trust me, I'm on the same page. If, if we didn't win game six, I was not feeling good about game seven because – Portland was yet to know what they had in Damian fucking Lillard, yeah. baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's We're about to. Let's fast forward here to the fourth quarter. So this is an intense back and forth game. No team is really getting up much like the whole series in general. This thing's staying within 10 points, and it's swinging back and forth. Lead changes all throughout. And, and it's a star-studded game. Like James Harden, Dwight Howard pretty much carried the – Jeremy Lin. And carried the Rockets. Jeremy Lin had 11 off the bench, and then it was Damon L.A. Yeah, I, exactly. People are riding their horses as they should, especially in the last two games of a playoff series. And it comes down to a pivotal moment yet again. James Harden gets the ball in his hands, much like game one, a chance to win game six for the Rockets. He dribbles this time right elbow in game one, left elbow in game six. He dribbles to the left elbow, has a similar moment here where he gets to the elbow and you can almost feel he was the off. thought process. You mm -hmm. could feel the thought process. Mm -hmm. Granted, as Joey mentioned from game one, he steps back and I get the fear of God oh, in me my too. soul. And I did he this time, too. He takes a step too. back, the one that we're all so familiar at this point. But back then, it was kind of a new move to the NBA, especially for Harden. Joey, expand. When he takes that leap backwards, I'm like, James Harden just threw a dagger through the I thought it was going Portland. in. And I did, too. The ball, I think, go ahead. Well, I'm pretty sure it hit like the front of the rim, right, yep. and then bounced to the back. Yes, yeah. bounces really high like it's going to hang right over the rim and yeah. fall in like a toilet yeah. bowl-style type yep. of shot. Yep, and then they grab it. And so it bounces <laughs> off. Sorry, we're getting excited here. It bounces off the rim. Ball yep. falls to Robin Lopez. Kyle, at this point, we're thinking, we have a chance to win this one. 96-96. But then the ball rattles off Robin Lopez's hands into the waiting arms of Chandler Parsons. Give me your immediate reaction. The Rockets go up 98-96 in what seems like a play designed from the basketball gods to come down. And specifically, I'm going to be a bit vulgar. Fuck Portland in the ass. Yes. Kyle, go ahead. Very vulgar. Um, no, it was... I, I just remember, like, it was happening, like, in reality, it was happening so fast, but watching the play live, it felt like it was happening, like, Slow like motion. second, like, literally, like, millisecond by millisecond. You just saw Rolo, like, the ball, like, slowly tip off his hands, and you see Chandler Parsons just sitting right there under the hoop. Just It was just, like, moment by moment. I'm just in my head. I'm like, he's about to make this land, and we're about to lose. And then, yep. sure enough... 0.9 seconds left. Rockets take a two-point lead. I just remember being completely heartbroken. And so so during this timeout, Joey, as Kyle just mentioned, 0.9 left on the clock, and I couldn't agree more. That was a great depiction. It yes, felt it like it was frame by frame how that ball fell to Chandler Parsons. Give me your mindset, Joey, during this timeout because, yes, 
It's a full timeout. You get 60 seconds. Am I the only one that felt like it was 60 minutes? Because <laughs> yeah. me, me at home with whoever you're watching this game with, and we'll get to that, we were all diagramming the last play, I think. We were all yes. diagramming the last play. Yeah. Where was your head at during the full timeout? Point nine. Did you even think Portland would get a shot off? To be honest, everybody that I was watching the game with thought that the game was over. To me, the best way I can describe what this felt like when they got the rebound and put it back in to take the lead was when Harry Potter is faced with his first Dementor <laughs> and it sucks his face until he passes out. <laughs> it's how I felt about my energy. That's a bitch. And so, and so Tyler, when that happens. obviously that's the worst yes. case scenario, but for those who are less familiar with yeah. Harry Potter, yes. um, what were your yeah. feelings as Chandler Parsons laid that ball up? I'm with Joey where it felt like, I mean, the life was yeah. sucked out of me and I don't think we're too bold in saying, I also felt like, can we even get a shot up in point nine? Is this game over? Are we looking at... I was being positive about game seven, but I was looking at game seven. Yep. Can Stom you translate this for me for those I, that I don't can. know what the Dementor stomach, is? Stomach sank to the bottom of my body. We didn't necessarily knew or know what Damian Lillard was capable of at this point. Not at all. We had Except no, he, 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 had hit but. he hit the game winner against New Orleans and all that, but he hit a couple, you know. But we didn't know like what he was made of. So, And then after, obviously, the play was designed for L.A., I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know, like, because Stotts, he had, he's not afraid to draw it up for anyone. It could have gone to West, Batum, Aldridge, or Dame. Even so Mo I, Williams had been shooting. Even Mo. I had shots. no idea who it was going to. And then once I saw Batum inbounding, I was like, okay, there's only three, maybe four options. I think they put Mo in, but I, Mo wasn't, sorry. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who it was going to. All I knew is that we needed a clean look pretty much anywhere. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to say, and I don't mean this as too offensive towards LaMarcus, but I expected that ball to go into LaMarcus's hands, and I did not feel good about that. No. He had had yeah. a history of missing game-winning shots. At least maybe I have selective memory, but especially when I now get to compare it to the luxury that is Dame Lillard, I I thought that ball was going for an LaMarcus fadeaway, and I did not. I've pictured it going in and out off the front rim and just missing, but then... We see Damian Lillard, point nine on the clocks, Nicolou Batum inbounding the ball here. Damian Lillard comes screeching off a double screen. And Joey, I want to go to you here. He's clapping his hands like a madman. Did you note that in live time or did it take the replay to kind of see how badly Dame wanted the ball in this moment? I think even live, I saw Batum get it to him to what I thought was a little late. Like Dame was like, I'm ready for it right now. Like, come on, give me the ball. Yep. I agree. I thought it was a little late, too. Kyle, I, I think this is something me and you have talked about before. We we thought he actually had a better shot maybe at the top of the top of the key there, but then he curls all the way around, and in true Dame Lillard fashion, he says, no, I'm getting this ball. Yeah. Like, this is me. When that shot was in the air, don't talk to me yet about when it went through the rim. When that ball's in the air, what was your headspace at? Did you think the series was over? We were preparing for Game 7, or did you kind of have that, you know, that weird second-plane type feeling like, Oh shit, that looks okay. Holy shit. I mean, I think like any like even when you just watch a shot, like when it releases from his hands, like it just looks good. Dame has something like, about him. I don't really know how to describe that, but it's just like every once in a while when you see a shot go up, you're just like, damn, like that actually looks like it has a chance. It's he's literally floating, Kyle. Yeah. You see when he jumps? It's like it's just he barely yeah. jumps, but it's just like a float. It's just like the little butterflies are just lifting him off the ground and it's just I'll just Almost guide the ball into the hoop for you because you're just amazing. Almost like it's yeah. made for the slow-mo clip we've all come to know and love, yes. where it's like he was meant to hang in the air like that extra just second. Just a slight angle, his body's like not like not 45 degrees fade away but just a slight angle just nice and money and just you can okay. almost like just, hear him shooting it and he's just like 
Uh. And, and we can talk about this forever. So before we move on here, I want to talk about one thing is that when Dame shoots to Kyle's point, especially in these clutch moments defined by this Houston shot, he has that thing that Kobe has, that MJ has, that LeBron has, that I think Dirk during 2011 had. Where LeBron. Uh, I think LeBron. And you LeBron. know you're not going to get me to say differently. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that thing of... Every time that ball's up in a clutch moment, no matter how bad the shot looks, and I mean, it's definitely backed up by the OKC one, as it's floating, you just have that twinkle in your heart like, that thing's going in that bitch. Like, mm -hmm. there is no way. His shot, no matter where he gets it off, it has a chance to go in. He just gives it at least a shot. And I Some think people will just completely brick, but he he gives it a, a, at least a shot. And I think his personality and his charisma with Portland always helps us in a sense, like, believe it's also going in and no more defined than this Houston We shot. have to know, first playoff series has the balls to take. The plays to LaMarcus Aldridge, the, the superstar of the team, says, nuh-uh, I'm open, claps his hands, demands the ball, nails the shot, says, I'm here to play. Damian Lillard is just... Insane. Insane. Yeah. Insane. Right. And, and and he's so insane that I think this was kind of a moment that marked itself for all of our lives, especially sports-wise, especially as fans. So, Kyle, I want to start by you. We're going to quickly go one by one and just talk about where we were during this shot because it's a night I'll never forget, and I think most of Rip City Faithful will never forget where they were. Kyle, hit me with it. Where are you at? The Gonzaga University. So I was actually in uh, a dorm room. Uh, another Twalton guy, Travis Johnson, shout out. Shout uh, out with Travis. Him and, and we were actually with, um, so Jay Triano was the assistant coach. His son played at Gonzaga. And so I was, I actually watched most of the games with him because he lived in our dorm. And so he was like, obviously freaking the fuck out too because like mm -hmm. this is his dad's job like mm -hmm. he became a blazer fan through his dad's job oh, kyle, so, kyle literally contending for flex of the year with you tyler I yeah loki not quite the same fifth, fifth four seed. um but anyway it was actually funny so the shot went up and uh everyone got so excited that uh jay toronto's son actually like threw his hands up and hit me in the face and I got a super bloody nose. <laughs> and, like, but I didn't care. I didn't care. I was just so excited. Wipe it off, I, start drinking beer. I was really drunk at the time, let's yeah. be honest. I just remember we had like a half circle, half moon circle around the TV and everyone just freaked the fuck out. Everyone just started shaking beers everywhere. It was insane. Never forget. Yep. Never forget. It was Joe? a madhouse. Joey. Mine was a lot different because I was, I was a senior in high school. so The limitations are there at that point. Very I mean, limited. For all of us. So I was at my friend's house. John Whitaker shouts out. For Shout hosting us for really the whole playoffs that year. But it was just crazy how deflated we were just after they hit that re or hit that layup. Mm -hmm. It was like I was saying earlier, just how this game defied the laws of momentum. So yep. true. Could hear a pin drop at yeah. that point. It was like, this thing is dead. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we didn't even really like comprehend the fact that we were going to get a decent look up. So when Damien did get a decent look up, I remember it like everything just kind of froze and dead silent. Uh -huh. And then we just kind of watched it, and it went in, and everybody just freaked out, like shoving each other and punching each other, and like <laughs> it didn't matter. Pain wasn't a thing. No, to pain Kyle's didn't exist, nose, and it was almost preferred. Up. Like let's hurt each other, <laughs> yep. so I can feel again. Tyler, yeah. <laughs> yep. Where were you at? Give it to me. I was I was with my buddies. I was actually back home from college at the time, um, but I don't know. I I don't know if Dame Lillard realizes how iconic of a shot that was because. Once that happened, every like every person I had watched the Blazers with growing up who like my dad, like I think I probably call I don't even know if, who I call. I remember calling a bunch you of people me. but I, me and you talked I'm pretty that sure I, I, I thought I called you, but pretty much everyone that I had grown up watching the Blazers with, like it was just the first round, but it yeah. meant it meant 
or it felt like it so felt much like more than title. that. Let's not and lie. It, watching Dame Lillard just rise to the occasion, be our guy, hit that shot. It it meant way more than just a playoff series win, and and I think he knows that now. Like when he grabbed the mic and said "Rip City," it I once he hit the shot, I turned away from the TV screaming, half having to like relook at the TV, be like, "Wait, did it actually happen?" Like triple, quadruple glancing, like did it? Okay, it, Dame hit the shot. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and then that night, I ended up throwing up because I got of so course shirt. really. And yeah. I I can remember I'm much in the similar situation as all of you. I was at. Uh, Linfield College with Tim Hawkins and Nick Gellos, Kevin Nelson and Tanner Corrado and Joey, your brother John Fishback. We're all watching it crowded in the dorm room. And much like Kyle said, circled around the TV. He hits the shot. I share a piece with each of you. Uh, Tyler, much like you, the second that ball goes through the net, I took off out of the dorm room and just ran down Linfield Ave. I know uh, I, I went down yelling. I know Corey Van Domlin, Jackson Rucker, a couple of my Linfield <laughs> friends that were there as well will know exactly what I'm talking about. Just a straight about uh, quarter mile, half mile, just ran there, ran <laughs> back, never <laughs> slowed down one fucking second. No. Like it was the best moment of my, uh, our lives. And I could remember Linfield being a small college. Yeah, okay, insert your joke here, whatever. Uh, we got the notice pretty quick. Party here, Jackson Ruckert's house. I remember, shout out J-Ruck. Uh, met up with Corey in his house, and we all stormed over there. And, I mean, I think basically everyone just wearing blazer gear partied that night. Um, it didn't really matter who was there no. or anything like that. It was just a moment of pure bliss that I'll think I'll <sighs> never forget. But yep. definitely a, a moment, like, for Blazers history in general that um, will stick in kind of our our history forever, I yes. think. And it really brought Damian Lillard to At least for our, our age group. Our generation. Our generation. But, I mean, yes. it just built a, a generation of Blazer fans. Absolutely. Like, I think that's a that's a that's a safe statement right there. I think that shot in general, after all the suffering through B Roy and the injuries, Greg Oden, um, even seeing Lamarcus come to what he was to finally have some fucking success, Unreal. felt like yes. it sealed in like the fact that it. we're Blazers fans for life. Yes. All right, let's take one quick moment to relive some of the highs of this series one more time, and then we'll jump into the awards for this series and wrap up. Unbelievable night for Lamarcus Aldridge: forty-six points, eighteen rebounds. A fadeaway, high archer, and again, he can't be stopped. And Aldridge has 43. Mission accomplished for the Portland Trailblazers, two in a row on the road. Here comes Batum for three. Bang! Tying Williams lost it. Lynn picks it up. Playing out to Daniels. Daniels for three. It's gone. The rookie knocks down the three. The Houston Rockets get the huge victory in overtime. It's picked up by Lillard, outside the two, Williams taking three, this is for the Beverly, all at the lead, he's down the ball, the Portland Trailblazers are one step closer to advancing to the second round. And that is game five, the Rockets outscore the Blazers 26-21 in the fourth quarter. Deflects to Howard and one. Platoon to the deck. He stops. Tough shot. He hit it. Tied at 96. We're down to 10 seconds left. Harden the jumper. Off the rim. No good. Lopez trying to keep it. Parsons scores. And the Rockets lead. Nine tenths left. A three wins the series. Platoon throws to Lillard. A three for the game. 
and they couldn't have done it in a more thrilling fashion. Last little portion here, last segment. It wouldn't feel right if we didn't hand out some hardware for the series. We've spent about an hour now recapping it. So it's only right we give the Blazers their due and maybe even a Rockets player here and there. Tyler, I'm going to you first here. We've got the MVP of the series. We just spent, you know, like I mentioned, the last 60 minutes recapping the highs and lows of what was one of the most memorable Blazers series of our lifetimes. Who was the MVP of this 2014 first-round matchup? It, it might be... Not the favorable option, but I'm going LaMarcus Aldridge. Yep. He led the team in scoring. No question about it. Okay, led yeah. the team in scoring four out of the six games. He kind of he led the way for Dame to kind of kill him. But um, I have to go with L.A. First two games was critical away at the Rockets, putting up big buckets, showing, showing everyone like I'm here to play, I'm real. And uh, Aldridge, he's our guy. I mean, he's, always, he's got a place in our heart forever. He does. No matter how you feel about him now, but – this series has implanted them in, in all Blazer hearts forever. Uh, definitely a controversial figure, but yes. I mean, you have to appreciate the peaks he gave us. Absolutely. And I think most of us, especially in our generation of Blazer fans, are more sour about the fact that he left than any of the efforts he showed while he Absolutely. was wearing the Blazer uniform. Yep. Joey, though, the biggest moment here, I don't know if it belongs to LaMarcus. It's hard to look past <laughs> one. Yeah, the biggest moment is just pretty obvious. Damian Lillard hitting that game six. 0.9 seconds shot over Chandler Parsons is the biggest moment of the series. Mainly because at least while we were watching it, we thought if he missed the shot, we were going to lose the entire series. It was one shot that the series came down to, yep. to us. And this will break it down a little bit more. Just the way that Damian Lillard would just pimp in it. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen like the replays of that, but <laughs> yeah. before they even inbound the ball, Damian Lillard just standing there like, he's, days like almost. he's back in Oakland, just chilling on the side. <laughs> <laughs> cold as hell. Yeah, cold as hell. Trying to put Chandler Parsons to sleep. And then he just like, as soon as the ref blows the whistle, comes off the screen, gets the ball, drills it. Yep. And, oh. and along with that, I think, you know, it not only made us believe that season, but for a lot of us, that was the first, we've talked about this earlier on the podcast, first success we've had in the playoffs. So it was the first moment for me as a Blazer fan believing like, oh shit, we can hit the big shot. things can happen to Portland basketball, not just making the playoffs yeah. being your championship. It was like, we have a player, we have a roster overall. I mean, I, I bet I'll even, look back at my personal Instagram, I'll bet you there's a cheesy uh, Insta-Stitch post of all five starters. I know there is. That you were crying uh, yeah. while you I were was, making. I was emotional. These guys were like, the first time I was like, we can actually make a fucking difference in the league. Um, but Kyle, we're going to you here. The unforeseen star of the series. So I'm taking out, you know, James Harden, Dwight Howard, Dame Lillard, LaMarcus Aldridge, most likely. I'll let you maybe go Dame here since it's a second season, but give it to us. Unforeseen star. There's a few options to choose from, and I think like you, you can name guys like Batum, Wes, even Mo Williams, I think, has a case to, to win this award. But I think there's one play in particular that tips it to Wes Matthews, and that is the steal in Game 4 for us to win the series. Basically take that game. Couldn't it was more. a must-win. I, I mean, Nick and Wes basically kind of played the same throughout the series. They scored about the same amount of points. They, they played just as good as defense. But I think that play in particular gives it to Wes Matthews. I also just have a personal connection to Wes Matthews. I just love him so much. He's the Iron Man in Portland. He's my guy, so I'm giving it to him, Wes Matthews. Okay, I, I think Wes is probably the 
the right choice here and for the unforeseen star. And maybe some saw it coming just with his role or whatnot, but he really was a superstar in terms of this one playoff series. Yep. The impact he was making game by game. His name's come up continuously through the series, as has Batum. Great choice there, Kyle. For me, I'm going with the guy who probably choked the series away most. And, of course, I'm not looking at Portland. I'm looking no. in Houston. Yep. And the camp I'm looking at is a combination of Patrick Beverly and Jeremy Lin. Love it. I think Patrick Beverly at this point was trying to build his name as a defender. He has a little more outspoken than he is this day in terms of he was in the media talking about how he could lock up Westbrook back then during his prime and all these different guys and trying to cause issues and being that agitator. Dame Lillard in his second season, I thought, had an extremely strong showing in this series. Not just a game-winning shot, but consistent play from a point guard position. I think if you're a, a guy like Beverly who's making his uh, living off making others uncomfortable and driving superstars to a yep. more difficult game plan, you failed in this one. Along with Jeremy Lin, who is supposed to be a la Mo Williams for the Rockets, kind of their bench spark. Mm -hmm. We saw it in game three, but outside of that, and maybe a little in game five, but outside of that, Lynn really struggled. And Troy Daniels became the most significant Houston Rocket bench player. Yep. Uh, so if I'm given you know, the least significant players of the series, I think I got to go to those two. Love it. Okay, Ty, I'm coming to you for the last award of the series. This one, I want to take the focus away from the specific players as much. I want to focus more on the teams here. So what was kind of the tipping point for the Blazers to win them this series or kind of in your mind what was the biggest basketball factor in the series that led to Portland coming out of this one 4-2 moving on to the second round I think it was a uh, the combination of not having to play as much ISO basketball and being able to rely on a couple other players and not only their one superstar or two superstars in Damon LA but being able to play more team basketball, having better communication, I think maybe a better game plan overall, knowing at what times to feed a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge or uh, favor a guy like Damian Lillard, but not like doing it uh, too much where the Rockets were favoring, all right, Harden, go iso ball, get us some buckets, maybe dish it out a little bit. But I think our coaching staff, our game plan in general, um, and then with the camaraderie our, our players had, knowing like where they would be, I think the X factor of the series was us being our team being more comfortable with each other Chemistry. and and knowing yeah. where they were going to be and just the familiarity familiarity with each other uh, helped us out a lot in the series. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and it resulted in to a blazer moment that none of us are ever going to forget. All right. That wraps it up for this week's edition of the Backyard Blazers. For myself, your host, Connor Scott, thank you to Joey Fishback for lending him some of his time and to Kyle and Tyler for lending us some of their time and brilliance. This episode was presented by the Jam Bros. If you want some entertainment during this quarantine, go on YouTube and look up the Jam Bros. No space in between. That is J-A-M-B-R-O-Z. Jam Bros with a Z to see some of the coolest pool dunks from 2015 that you could ever imagine. Um, other than that, we'll be back next week with a new series to remember or a new Blazers moment to highlight. Can't wait to talk to y'all. Please reach out to us at the Backyard Blazers on Instagram. If you have any ideas for content or for the podcast itself, please, please, please reach out. We love hearing from you and we take all those ideas into consideration. We take them very seriously because we're all here together in Rip City. We're all creative, so... Let's get the best that we can show. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, go Blazers. Here's Blake to Roy. This is for the A 
series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off. Lillard got it!